people are really frustrated when they rock up to auctions. It's not that people are coming up to the first auction and making the bid. They've entered five, six, eight, ten. That's why you would see that there is a big market for people hiring buyers agents, auction property consultants or qualified auction consultants. They don't know when to bid, how to bid how much to bid, how fast to bid, how slow to bid. The whole bidding process in itself, there is a lot of tricks and trades that you play within the bidding process too while you are in the auction. Hello and welcome to Help Me Buy Property Podcast. Today we are going to talk about auction strategies and things that you should and shouldn't do during auctions. Now before I go into too much details. Drum rolls. Let's introduce Miss Cheryl Leon. Cheryl. How- Hello, everyone. Hi, Mox. How are you doing? I am awesome as usual. My camera is not focusing, so I'm just trying to focus it on me rather than you. I can see that you have a brand new camera and you're looking all shiny and red. Shiny, shiny and red. Yeah, there. It's not the red light district. It's meant to. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought that up straight away. I went, no, wait, that didn't sound right. But auctions, 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 auctions. I know we started talking about this before and it was getting quite exciting. But no, 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 we've got to share with our audience. Admittedly, auctions are a strategy I haven't avoided quite a bit, mainly because I've purchased either pre-auction or they're off market you know, when we're talking about development sites or whichever. So I've really always avoided it. And maybe because I haven't really mastered the the art of auctions. I've been to an auction before, obviously they didn't win. So I'm really keen to hear some of the strategies and the auction hacks that not just myself, but the audience can really take advice from. I personally love auctions. I love, love auctions. And every time there is an auction, at least where I can attend, I'll actually represent the buyer myself. And, you know, they get a bit surprised. They'll be like, oh, why is Moss coming out to do an auction? I think I just love the adrenaline that you get rocking up to an auction. You know, I love those auctions where there are 30, 50. I think the maximum that I've been to was like 150 people in an auction. And it was an amazing auction for a property. And so we'll talk about all of those. Just to give a quick recap for people, we're going to talk about some of the strategies that you need to play before the auction, strategies that you would play on the day of auction. And then finally, how to play the gray, how to be strategic. You know, I like to call it dirty, but you know, Cheryl puts it in a nice tone, you know, how to be strategic or creative when you are in an auction and how do you play that game as well? And my number one question, Lots, does that mean when you win, because this is what, and it might be just a mindset thing, right? And I'd love for you to prove me wrong. When you win at auction, does that mean that you're just the highest bidder? Yes. Technically, yes. It's always the case. And so auctions can go in various different ways. If you take a step back and understand, auctions last like 10 to 15 bids maximum, right? I've looked at a maximum auction of maybe 30 bids in total. And so you're talking about 15 to 30 minutes of action, right? So within those times, the idea is to either be the highest bidder passing the reserve. Reserve is the price that the owner wants. After that, the, the, the property comes on market. Or if it doesn't hit the reserve and you are the highest bidder, you get an opportunity to basically go in and negotiate with the seller. Now, sometimes you don't have to be 
the highest bidder to negotiate as well. And we'll talk about that as well. That's a really good point because I've been to an auction where I was not the high, highest bidder, but I still ended up getting the property. We'll talk about that as well. Ooh, yeah, see, see, I always think that if you're the highest bidder, that means you've paid, you've been willing to pay premium and more than everyone else. So I'm sure a lot of people sort of have a similar sort of thought around that. Again, you know, you've been to many, many, many more auctions and been successful at them than I have. So I'm really, really keen to hear about it. And so let's start there. Let's start there as to, you know, does attending an auction means that you are paying a premium for the property, right? And so if you think about it, before the auction even starts, you need to understand what your walkaway price is. What is the price that you would pay for this property that is a fair price that you would pay even before an auction? I'll use a quick example, okay? I attended this auction in Vermont in Victoria where the agent was advertising this property at around $950,000, okay? somewhere in the range. I offered him 1.2 before auction. And he was a bit surprised. He was like, oh, you're offering me a hundred, almost you know, $150,000 more, almost $200,000 more, right? Why are you offering me that money? And I was like, I know this area very, very well. There were close to about 150 people who attended pre-inspections. He printed, and how do I know? He printed a booklet or like, you know, the leaflets of 150. And he said, I'm, I've given it all away. And I was like, okay, that's an indication that 150 people has visited this house. Anyways, he took it to his seller and the seller refused and the seller said, look, I don't want to sell. I want to still go to the auction and then that's fine. You know, my walkaway price was 1.25 and basically I offered 1.2. That property sold for 1.43 million. So what was the price guide? Well, yes, price guide was ridiculously low, right? The agent had no idea where the price was sitting and he did not understand the key difference in that pocket that there was one property that was sold in that pocket in the first 15 years, number one. Number two, it was a tick in two school zones, two of the most prime school zones in Melbourne, uh, where people die to basically buy properties in two, you know, primary and secondary school zones, okay? It, it backed on, onto a massive park, and so you could actually open the backyard door and go into a park. And so your back, backyard was literally like massive, right? You have kids that can play in the backyard. So there was a lot of positive that came with that property. And so clearly the price guide was completely off. And so understanding that walkaway price before uh, the auction is very important because then you are thinking about emotionless investing. You know as to, okay, this is what gets you out. And it's also important to understand that if you are going to go in with emotions into an auction, you would all you would not always win, but you would push the median price off that pocket off that suburb quite significantly higher, which means that when you come back into the auction next time, there would be a precedence in the area that you have set yourself and the agent would expect you to pay that again or more than that again, right? And so People need to think about this. You know, of course, you know, majority of the times people always think about, oh, I'm going to buy just one property, so who cares? But as a buyer's agent, I always think that if I need to come back to this market, I don't want to be the person paying a premium price again and again and again. So it's important that, you know, you set your walkaway price pretty sharp and you stop and move away from it. Walkaway prices are important as well. And this is the, the key thing. A lot of people think that 
Okay, for example, you know, I my walkaway price is 1.3 million, right? And so I'll bid all the way up to 1.3 million and then walk out, right? What you need to understand is that as you come closer to your walkaway price, people can notice that you are you're you're getting out of air, right? Because you are putting in lower bids, you know, you're flustered. And so it's important to understand that almost like $30,000, $40,000, even $50,000 before your walkaway price, you start putting in stronger bids so that people get a good indication that, okay, this is not, you know, him going out of steam or, you know, they don't have big pockets, right? So, you know, some of these techniques, some of these tricks are very, very important when it comes to walkaway price as well. What do you mean by stronger bids? Like, so what are some real simple strategies that someone, if, if they're going to an auction this this weekend, what are some simple strategies that they can take into the auction? And noting there's there's a few things, right? There's, you know, if I if I use these strategies, will I, you know, is what is the intention of the strategy? And and what is the impact? What is the potential impact of exercising that strategy? Definitely. And so there are things that you need to do before you rock up to the auction. And, and I think that exercise is very, very important as well. The first one is building the relationship and the rapport with the agent because the agent would be your guiding source. He is the light of truth. You can extract as much information out of that agent as possible to that extent that he would tell you the reasons for vendors to sell. You know, vendors could be selling because of quicker settlements, issues with the house, you know, family emergencies, etc. And so you need to understand what are vendors' reasons to sell through managing the relationship with the agent. Why do you want to know why the vendor is selling? Because that would influence his or her reserve price. If they want a quicker exit, they would have a lower reserve. If they want, they are there as an investment property for 10 years and they don't care really, they would always have a higher reserve. And so knowing that is also important too, as to how would you be influencing by the reserve. How important is the reserve? Reserve is basically the price that the owner wants on the auction day. Okay, majority of the times, agent would not even know about the reserve till actually on the auction day because typically the auctioneer asks for the reserve price. The agent is usually not allowed to know what the reserve price of this particular property is. And that's how the agent would communicate this to you. Having said that, 90% of the agents know what the reserve price of the property is. Okay, And so I've been into conversations where agent would actually tell you Okay, that this is what the reserve price is. Yes, they're legally not allowed to, but they will give you a really strong indication as to, okay, Moss, if you are in this price range, you know, you would get there. You would get the property. Between 950 and 955. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, I'm not telling you exactly what it is. Yes, correct. And sometimes getting that reserve out is asking the right question. It's not asking about, hey, what your magical number is, tell me and I'll give it to you, right? Why would agent tell you the reserve? The agent would tell you the reserve in circumstances where he's keen to make a deal before the auction actually happens because they're looking for a quicker way out, right? And so sometimes they will entertain. And so you have to ask the right questions as to, okay, why is the vendor selling? You know, what is the price bracket? What are other people indicating as to what they would pay? You know, my budget is X. Do you think that it fits? You know, if I in increase my budget by 50K, do you think that it would fit? You know, if I increase my budget in extra. So you're asking questions coming in closer and closer to the reserve. And so 
they can answer yes or no, but they can't give you the number. And that's how you dictate and understand what the real reserve price is. The reserve price is also important because then you would also understand who are your competition? Who is the people who is going to turn up to the auction? Now, you would also understand whether it would be downsizers, you know, who are cash rich, you know, full of money, you know, with coming in with money bags, literally, right? Or these are owner occupiers or first time buyers, you know, who are trying to get into the market, right? So your walkaway price, the price of the property and the reserve combined together would dictate as to what type of bidders would, would show up on the day of the auction. There is one more trick on understanding who would show up to the auction is, and that is by asking the agent actually. Okay. So if you ask the agent, hey, how many registered bidders and who are these registered bidders, they will actually tell you if you have a really good relationship. I have agents calling me Friday at six or seven o'clock saying, Moss, I have five bidders. Two of them are first home buyers. One is a downsizer. One is this. And I turn up to the auction at least in half an hour before standing next to the agent and say, hey, can you point me who is who so that I know who am I playing against? And they'll tell you. Is that so you can stand in down, you can do all the poker things. Yeah, 100%. And so what you're doing is you're, you're profiling them. You understand as to, okay, this guy is a rich person. This person is, nah, you know. And so you're profiling them, right? Now, of course, it's, it's not always the case. Like, I, I know this sounds super rude and I know this sounds, you know, super messy, but understanding your bidder is very, very important because you are playing the game with them. You're not playing the game with the auctioneer. You're not playing the game with the agent, right? No matter how, what people say. It's, just like, it's psychological warfare. 100%. Yes. Yeah. You Look, I mean, you have to turn up. You know, I put in my best suit. I'll wear a tie. You know, you, you rock up there as if, you know, this is you, you know, taking away the world, right? So it's an intimidation game. I have seen buyers agents turn up with, you know, white socks and funky shoes and glasses and, you know, everything, right? So um, it's it's like a peacock show. What's wrong with white socks? Isn't that what people wear? Don't people wear white socks anymore? No, I mean, you know, like one of those where the pants are just, up, you know, below the knees and, you know, it's one, it's one of those fashion statements, you know, so. Yeah, I'm not fashion enough and that's it and please please don't ever wear white socks with with pants just over your knees but in any other it's, it's a peacock show yeah okay yeah okay and, and and how does it work so you know you're and I've, I've i've definitely heard and seen this before what is the intention of that like 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 turning up like absolutely you know mission impossible tom cruise or whichever that level of maybe intimidation or so on, what does that actively do from a psychological? I think it's signaling. I think people try to signal that they need to be taken seriously, right? I've seen it both ways. I've seen people turning up in really nice cars, parking right in the middle of, you know, where the auction is about to happen, walking really, really late, signaling that, hey, you know, take me seriously, right? And then I've attended auctions where, there's a tradie at the back with, you know, grubby shoes and grubby pants, you know, hiding in a beanie all of a sudden, you know, putting their hand up and making a, a winning bid, right? And so, you know, you play both strategies. It just depends on the area dynamics and the demographics that you're entering into. You know, if you're going to buy a property in, in North Shore, you're not going to rock up grubby, right? Because no one is going to take you seriously. They might not even let you, you know, put the bid in. You know, be like, oh, do you really have money? Can you show us your bank account? And so it, it, is, it, it is intimidation by 
show off. You know, if you think about some of these things, right? You 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 rock up there with a big family, five kids running around you, <laughs> and that happens too, right? You know, you just give an indication that hey, you're serious, or hey, you're here just for the sake of the fun. You know, so people can read between the lines as well. You know, yeah, and so, but I mean, going back to that intimidation, does that actively put other bidders off? But does that mean that the other bidders are li- less likely to outbid you? Or again, I'm trying to understand the psychology around it and the and the impact of doing that. Apart from saying, "I've walked up in my Maserati, I'm going to outbid all of you," but does that actually stop people from? No, I I don't think that it stops people from bidding against you. Where it plays its part is where yours is a winning bid or not. Because you are signaling that you are coming in with big pockets, right? And so you are coming in from a view that, you know, you're bringing in a lot of money, you have rich money that you don't care about, you know, that sort of mentality that you are signaling to other people. And so a lot of first home buyers, a lot of people who are buying their first home or slightly upgrading, they don't want to compete against these people, right? Because naturally their thinking is, I need to come back to the market if I miss this to this guy who comes from a rich background, has a lot of money, and he might push the price all the way up because he can or she can, then clearly that would set a precedence for the area, which means that if I lose to this person and come back next week in the auction, then the agent would quote me this price and say, hey, there is a house sold in this locality for X price, and that becomes the new baseline. And so it plays in people's head. You know, maybe they might not call it out, but, you know, people are really frustrated when they rock up to auctions. You know, it's not that people are coming up to the first auction and making the bids. You know, they've entered five, six, eight, ten, depending on the market auctions before they actually win or they keep losing. And that's why you would see that there is a big market for people hiring buyers agents or, you know, auction property consultants or qualified auction consultants to basically take them with with them because of the nerves, you know, one, two, because, you know, they, they've been frustrated so much by this auction process, you know, time and time again. And so they don't know when to bid, how to bid, how much to bid, how fast to bid, how slow to bid. The whole bidding process in itself is, um, is quite important to understand as well, because there is a lot of tricks and trades that you play within the bidding process too, while you're in the auction. Yeah. So number one, dress dress to the nines and dress like you're serious. Number two, we talked about bidding sort of rhythm. Let's dive in a little bit to that because I've seen we've seen it where bidders will, you know, the winning bidder might wait, wait, wait to just before the hammer goes and then slams down some incredible, incredible price. What what are the different strategies there from a rhythm? Rhythm perspective. It's important to understand that every auction takes 15 to 20 bits, nothing more than this, okay? And so you need to think about your bid carefully, okay? You shouldn't be just putting the bid in because you can, right? Just not for the sake of putting the bid in because you can, right? That's what my mentality is. Because your bid has pushed the price up, right? And so you need to use your bids really, really carefully. In majority of the auctions that I become part of, I don't bid more than three or four times, you know, maximum, right? And so let's understand what the bidding strategy looks like, right? Now, there is ways where you can start off first or wait wait till the end. There is no right or wrong. It just totally depends on the type of bidders there 
the type of reserve, you know, how far the reserve is from the actual price and how much momentum the, the auction is going to get, right? I actually personally hate auctions where there's a lot of momentum because the momentum means emotions, emotions means higher price, okay? I want the momentum to be killed as much as possible. I want that momentum to never develop, right? And so if that means me starting off at, with a really low bid, a low balling bid, if the agent takes it, okay, in certain circumstances where there is not a lot of bidders or where there is a, a lot of bidders in place, you know, putting a bid really high so that you cannot let the momentum create. Understand that if the price of the property goes from a million to a million three, for example, okay, you know, 1 million to 1.3 million, there would be a lot of people who would disappear at 1.2 million. Now, if you're ready to pay 1.3, you should not be scared of putting 1.25 there because you know that you're not going to get this property below 1.25 anyway, right? What you're doing is you are killing the momentum of these low ballers that are there, right? There would be people who would bid in million, one million, two million, three million, four million, five, creates the momentum. If the momentum is there, it's like I see auctions as a relay race, you know? Someone hands the baton to the next person and the next person and the next person. The longer the relay race, the more the bids come in, the higher the auction price, right? And so you need to ensure that the race is shorter with less people so that you can compete with only those, right? And so it's important that, you know, where does the auction start? You know, a lot of people naturally think, oh, I'm going to bottom out the auction. I'm going to start really, really low. Not always a good strategy. Actually, it's a really, really bad strategy. Because you are giving an opportunity for other people to create the momentum, which means that you would be priced out. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And then if you come at the other end, right? If you come at the other end where you're waiting for all the bids to finish, right? Where the bids are reduced at, you know, say $5,000 or $2,500, then there is that momentum develops quite quickly as well. Because one of the strategies that auctioneers would always play is, that, hey, pay an extra $1,000, it only adds $10 to your mortgage. And we're like, oh, yeah, that's true, you know? And so they'll go $1,000, $5,000, $10,000 without realizing they've pushed the price above almost $100,000 by making an extra five bids or 10 bids, right? And so you, you can't get the momentum going there as well. And so throwing bigger bids and killing that momentum is important. Auction should always be all about killing that momentum. Auctioneers hate people who kill the momentum, Okay. They hate people who kill the momentum. Because they want all the emotions to just everyone just sort of get lost in, in the wave of emotions. and Definitely, definitely. And so, and so sometimes there would be auctions, you know, I've attended auctions where uh, I feel really, really confident, but I, did, I don't open the auction. I wait for the auction to be opened by someone else. And then I see that, you know, I'm almost 50,000 away from my walkaway price, right? And so either I can enter at that spot or I can walk away, right? Now, how do I decide whether I need to enter into the auction now or not, right? When I'm $50,000 away from my walk away price. That $50,000 is not the guiding factor. The guiding factor is actually the bids. Have the bids reduced to fives and tens, have they? Because if they haven't, if they are still $10,000 bids, I know that you know anything that I put, someone is going to outbid me anyway. I have two bids to offer, right? I'll offer, say, you know, a, a bid with an extra 20 and someone beats me to 25 and then I'll bid another 25 and that's it, I'm out of the, the air, right? And so it's important that, you know, you understand 
when to walk away from some of these options, knowing that, you know, you would hit your walkaway price anyway. So why waste your bids? Understanding again to the point, the bids are finite. They're not infinite. And so why add fuel to the fire by adding your bids in there? Yes. Why is there finite? I mean, I know it sounds silly. Why is there, why, why waste your bids? That's a really interesting point that you make there because it sounds like your bids are finite. And how so? Is, is that because, like you said, an average is 15, 20, it's 15, 20 bids and, and then it starts to lose its momentum or it hits that crescendo of, it, you know, someone. Correct. So think about it in this, in, in this instance, right? So when an auction starts, usually it starts off at, you know, they would take $100,000 bids or even $50,000 bids as well in some auctions, right? If you assume that, you know, you're taking the first 10 bids at $50,000, it's almost $500,000, right? You know, no one goes that fast. You know, maybe sometimes in Sydney in some of these posh suburbs, but usually there are a couple of bids at 50 or four bids at 50 and then they'll, you know, move to almost like, you know, 20 bids. So understand that it's, it's a diminishing scale when it comes to bidding, right? And so when I say the bids go to 20 or 15 or 20, the first five or 10 bids would be somewhere around, you know, 20s and 50s. And then, you know, the sliding stair scale starts, right? If the auction goes from, you know, adds $200,000 straight away by someone putting in $50,000 bids four times, you know that, you know, this is a hot auction. The momentum is there already, right? So it's important to gauge and understand that your bids are finite and you putting in your wood to the fire means that you are going to loud up the fire. You're going to light it up more, which means that you're not going to win it anyway. And so you need to come in at a point where you have enough buffers to see it through and enough buffers to make it win, you know, make it count, right? And so if you're coming in at the really end when the bids are only at 5000 or $2,500, know that you would have to make a bid for $10,000 because you want to kill the momentum because 5000 is a very small bid or $2,000 is, is a very small bid. People would keep going an extra $2,000. And so you need to come up with ten dollars or $20,000 to kill that momentum. The worst auction that I've been part of where there were $500 bids I was going to ask, what was the smallest? Yeah, so there are auctioneers, you know, who would try to squeeze the blood out of you, right? And there was this auctioneer in Adelaide that I attended. And uh, he was taking $500 bids. And I looked at him and I was like, John, what are you doing? Like, seriously, come on. And he kept saying, an extra $500 to the house is $1 to your mortgage. <laughs> it's like, come on, come on. Like, this is just a waste of everyone's time. But there are auctioneers who would do that. Majority of the times understand this. Auctioneer has a 20 to 30 minute window before they jump to the next auction. You know, they would do four to five auctions a day. And so they don't have a lot of time to waste, right? They have to finish and wrap up the auctions as quick as possible. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So they want to get, get, get in and out pretty quickly. So what is the deal with then deciding on when you put in those tiny, you know, smaller auction figures? And, and it is that to slow, it's, is that to actually slow down or does that, does that speed things up? So smaller auction bid only always comes in at the tail end of the auction where the auctioneer is trying to squeeze the lemon out of, you know, all the buyers, right? And so, you know, a person would start off and put their hand up and say, hey, can I put in five or can I put in two and a half, right? And uh, usually it's not me. I wouldn't do that, you know, but there would be people who might take that auction down, the, down that path. What you want to signal to them is that you're not here to waste time. And so if they are bidding two and a half, 
you might bid five or 10 and basically take that, you know, property away or give them the signal that, you know, this is not going to work, right? Because understand this, you know, a, a lot of people question me, why pay an extra $8,000 when you can only get an extra $2,500? That's not true because if you're going to go down the bidding war at $2,000, you would pay more than 10. You would pay 20, 30, $50,000 very quickly because, you know, then it's, it's rapid crossfire. You know, 42, 44, 46, 48, 50, 52, 50. Basically, that's how the auction works. Again, you get the momentum going and then people who have walked out of the auction, they jump back in it as well. They'll be like, oh, it's only $2,000. I'll jump back in too. And so you don't want that momentum to carry forward. And so you want to kill it as soon as possible. Yeah, awesome. Let's talk about then, let's say if you've got the winning, you've got the winning bid. That's if we're going to towards the winning bid. What if it gets passed in? What is the strategy around? Look, ultimately, when it gets passed in, okay, so there is two ways to go about doing this. As soon as it gets passed in, the highest bidder is usually invited inside the house to basically negotiate the price with the vendor or the seller. Okay? And they'll disclose the price that they want and you, can, you have an opportunity to negotiate. If they are not successful in negotiating, the second highest bidder gets an opportunity to come in and negotiate as well. And so a lot of people, what they do is when the auction is passed in, they just walk away. You know, and if you walk away from the auction, the second highest bidder gets the right to negotiate first. And that was the talk that we were having before, where although I didn't have the winning bid, the, auction, the person who had the winning bid walked away and I went to the agent and said, he's walked away. I'm here to negotiate. And he took me in without realizing that this guy was actually just going to the car to gra- grab a bottle of water or something. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you actually sent someone to go and stuff him back in the, in the car. Yeah, we know. So, and that's, you know, it's very key and important that, you know, you stay there till the property is actually sold. You know, you don't just assume that, you know, this is not going to happen. Sometimes what I also do is people might not reach a resolution on the day. Okay. So if you don't reach a resolution on the day, the hierarchy disappears and anyone can basically pick up the phone and bid and get that property, you know, because it's passed into the auction. And so, there would be times where I would have an eye on the particular property, but I'm not keen or my client is not keen on going to the auction. And if it passes through, I would call the agent on a Sunday and say, hey, I know this was passed through at X. How about I offer you this to take away this property from you, right? And that is where you are competing and basically grabbing this property. It happened to me a few times now where you know the property was passed in because it was a rainy day. No one turned up. It was passed in. You know, the person who was actually there was ready to pay more, but I ended up buying it below the price that they had passed it in, which is quite interesting, right? Why would an agent do that? Or why would a vendor do that? But they were desperate in selling and they thought that the other person was in a serious buyer and they took our offer in basically signing the contract. So yeah, you know, don't make an assumption that, you know, just because a bid is passed in or an auction is passed in that you can't still get the property. If it's within your realms, it's within the, you know, the, pro- uh, the market research that you have done, you should still be able to, you know, buy that property at that price point. My favorite one is playing strate- strategic in an auction. It's not strategic, yes. Not dirty. Not dirty. Let, let, let's explore, explore this concept there of stra- strategy. Yes. And so before we talk about playing strategic or creative or dirty, 
understand that you know if you if the auctioneers at any given point feels that you are playing dirty or you're not playing by the rule book then they can actually kick you out of the uh, out of the auction or refuse you from making a bid or taking your bid uh, completely you know they have that right to do that and so any strategic play during the day has to be a lot more subtle it has to be really really subtle okay for example some of the things that i would always do is especially if i'm there with the client i'll be very vocal about my bids and i'll be very vocal about hey i'm going to take this property or you know this is the day that you know we walk away with the property or my client loves this property we'll pay whatever it takes to get this property knowing that i'm going to walk away this is to the to the agent or are you just before auction goes live you sort of walk- no this is during the auction because you're trying to be more lively right and so you're joking around you know you're making you know you you're calling some of these things out right in the middle of the auction then of course you know you are if you're nervous you wouldn't be able to do that right so you need to calm your nerves in order to make those statements the other important thing is before the auction as you're doing the walk through okay you take a person be it your client or your wife or anyone you're walking through the house and you're pointing out problems it's like oh this would cost an arm and a leg or this is such a bad problem to have or this and you're being loud to a person next to you but what you're doing is you're creating doubts in other people's mind right you're doing that for at least 15 20 minutes before the auction actually starts and again no one can stop you from doing that because you're not talking to them you're talking to the your own partner or your you know your client you know knowing that you know they need to understand that this is a game that you're playing this is not actually you know you creating doubt in their mind all all your agent friends listening to this are going to be like we're going to send we're going to send a a a someone to follow you around when you do your your I mean they uh, they potentially know as to what you're doing right you know it's it, again you have to be subtle you can't rock up with a loud speaker there you know talking on the top of your voice you know you have to be subtle about some of those this property is terrible and i'm going to buy it yes yes and <laughs> again you know being bold in making the bid even if it's the last bid that you make being bold would do wonders for you you know people it's all about perception auctions is all about perception if you throw a perception that you have a lot of money to spend then people would back out okay and i talk about this particular strategy i think we were talking about this before the podcast as well where in this particular auction i rocked up we were literally $50,000 away from you know hitting our bottom and you know that was it and i made a bid retracted it and made a second bid of $1000 right and so i'm and i'll give you an example in this particular circumstance we made a bid for i from my memory i think it was 1920 i retracted that bid and put in an extra $1000 at 1901 now technically you can you can retract your bids you know there's nothing stopping you from doing that okay but you have to be loud and clear and very fast you make a bid that everyone hears and you say to the auctioneer apologies I I didn't mean that I just want to add $1000 in that seat right and you retract your bid what you're signaling to other people is you can go another 20k from here and if this is at the tail end of the auction people would be like well this guy is another 20 I don't want to pay another 20 you know this is gone way too long anyway and so they'll let you take away the property okay you can't make a $200,000 bid and then put in $1000 again be subtle about some of these things as well yeah 
Yeah. Okay. Interesting. And was that was that a winning winning bid for you? It was a winning bid. Uh, it it was actually. So there was a family. I still remember there was a family standing next to me, husband, wife, and two kids. They were really really into the property. It was a beachfront property, and that I was there with the client. They were really wanting that property. Probably like two hundred meters from walk to the beach. And I looked at the guy, I made that bid and I retracted it back and I said, I really want it. You know, that's what I said to him. I really want it. And he just let the property go. And the poor children, the poor children crying and the dog and everything and Moss is just like. No, I think, I mean, I, I'm always one of those people who, you know, whether I win or lose, I would always go out and shake the hands of the winning bidder and the auctioneer. I'm sorry. You know. Yes, yeah, or or a losing person, and I say, look, you know, maybe maybe you know, use me next time, you know, instead of coming out alone. <laughs> if you had used me, you would be living in this house. Your choose. Sorry. Yes. Thank you for losing so graciously. <laughs> but of course, you know, don't try this at home. There can be tremendous fines to you <laughs> if you. You know, if you're not subtle about it, you know, they um, there is a word in the auction world where. You know, you you might be blacklisted to a lot of auctions. You know, agents would not like you. You would kill the reputation with the agents and auctioneers. Understand there is only a handful of auctioneers in particular pockets, right? And so they would know uh, by you, by your first name if you're attending a lot of auctions in some of these areas. Yeah, yeah. So make sure you understand the auction rules and just be really, really careful about how creative you get, right? It's important that, that they're strategic but not too cheeky. Yes. Final words from you, Cheryl. What do you think? It's been a real eye-opener, mainly, like I said, because I personally haven't gone into the auction space uh, very much. And I think a few real key takeaways is that, that you have a plan in place. Right? It's really important that you have a plan, that you stick to your, when we hear this all the time, right? Stick to your budget, have your walk-away price. Really important that you don't get, you don't get swept into the wave of emotion that auctions are made for because basically that's what auctions are for, right? And and if you feel that you don't have those elements and don't and you don't have the confidence or the plan or the strategy to do it, like engage someone who is creative, is strategic, because they're able to read the crowd a lot better they're able to read the auctioneer and be able to play the game because that's what they do that's what they do day in day out i think it's really important to to just understand that don't take auctions lightly in that aspect they're there not for the benefit of the buyer they are there for the benefit of and it's not a it's not a lot of cost right i think a lot of people don't use auctioneers or auction consultants or buyers agents you know just representing them in an auction because they think that they might charge charge them an arm in a leg you know they can you know go from somewhere between 500 to like two thousand dollars like you would pay that money if you knew that you know that is the cost of use you know overpaying an extra 20 or thirty thousand dollars on some of these emotional investing it's all about keeping your emotions in check you know i always say to myself that I have a walk away, walk away price, you know, not just walk away price, you know. So I would have a price that I would agree with with the with the buyer, and then I would give myself a walk away price before that. I'd be like, okay, so this is what I think, and this is what my target should be in making sure that I can get it before this. 
And so again, every agent would have their own strategies that they would play on the day as well. And, you know, they do play a big part in reducing your frustration, wasting a lot of weekends, and, you know, you ultimately not overpaying on some of these auctions. Yeah, absolutely. That's been, I've, I've learned so much. And, and again, I'll probably be engaging someone to represent me in an auction. Because if I see a family with two children and like five dogs, and I'm up against them. That's it. I'm too. I'm. I'm. I'm too much of a, a softie. I'm like, just take it, take it. It's all yours. That's it. Don't. Don't. Don't call Cheryl for the auction bidding. <laughs> <laughs> all your strategy is that if Cheryl's up, you know, attending the auction, bring us, bring a small, small dog, dog and two children. kids. That's it. And two and two kids, and and she'll absolutely crumble. Yeah, yeah. Have me in an off-market negotiation. That's a well, thank you for listening to us today. Hope you got some real gems out of today's episode. Thank you for sh- thank you, Cheryl, for sharing her story and some of these some of the insights. And uh, keep listening to us. Ask any questions that you know. Share your stories in relation to auctions as well. You know what have you seen? What have you felt? You know how did you control the nerves? Keep smiling. Keep investing. Take care. Stay safe. This is Moss and Cheryl checking out. Adios. Take care. Bye.